we're here with Angela Hayes, who is the founder of the Thomas Hayes Trust, Chop Tom. Um, Angela, we were here at your event last night in the Lyrata State Hotel for the Oscars night. A wonderful success, absolutely beautiful. Um, and I suppose we just wanted to catch up with you and ask, first of all, how did Chop Tom come about? Uh, Chop Tom came about after, I suppose, my own experience of loss through suicide and the general public encouraging me to do something uh, about uh, you know my experiences and be able to support other people so when we were invited onto the late late show in 2014 my son alan was with me and myself alan shared uh, a song that he was after writing for me called survivor and it was just uh, it was surviving how he looked at me and admired me um, and how i was able to cope after the loss of his dad and his brother so us sharing our story of suicide and how we got through through it um, was the start of uh, you know the Thomas Hayes Trust so Alan's song then we were encouraged as I said to record the song and sell it for charity and at that point then I decided there was nothing in my area for people who had been through what I had been through and also my eldest son had gone down the road of addiction to cope with the loss and it was really like life was horrendous for us all because he was only 13 when his dad died and he just couldn't understand all this and he was bullied in school then because of what his dad was after doing and I wasn't aware of this at all and it was only later on in life that he told me what way life was for him in school and the things he had to put up with so uh, he wanted to leave school and I was bringing him back and trying to keep him in school and it was very difficult but he did eventually leave school and he took up an apprenticeship to um, be a carpenter and that was great but it was a huge role for Stephen to take on from being just a young boy with everything in the world going for him uh, to have to turn into an adult and at such a young age um, take on the world so Stephen started working on a building site and you know he was able to get access to drugs then and alcohol and he had money to pay for it so yeah he went down a really really rocky road wanted to end his own life uh, or he wanted to you know he was either going to probably go to prison because some of the you know the way he was behaving in Kilkenny was really really tough so um, I'm very grateful that today Stephen is in recovery and you know he has a great faith and that helps him to get through the hard days of his life and he is married and he has two children so it's great for that but I mean for our family for the Stephen's three younger brothers looking up to him like he you know he was to be their role model and he just wasn't able to do it so for the three young boys underneath it was really difficult to get the balance in the family to still have love unconditional love for everybody even though I knew my son was hurting so much and uh, lashing out because uh, he just didn't know how to cope with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the experiences that our whole family have been through in the uh, the grief process after a suicide will allow us to help others because we know what can happen within a family. Alan was only four. I mean, such a young little boy to experience the loss of his dad, the yeah. sudden loss of his dad, and. Um, you know, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. Absolutely. How mm. can I ask that you, because you were a mother, as you said, of four young boys. Yeah. How did you pick yourselves back up? Like, I mean, that was a huge, you know, for you, you're in the middle of your grief, huge grief, but you have to be a mother to your boys. So you're trying to protect them and mind them and mind yourself. What would you do that would help you cope? Was there anything that would stand out for you that helped you during that time? 
Well, again, there was no services uh, in Kilkenny for five councillors, you know, that could meet me and each of the boys. Um, my family was fantastic, um, you know, and my friends, they helped me to get through. They were on, uh, they were with me on the journey and um, they were really, really very good. But uh, I can see now that when I'm supporting other people in the, the process of grief, um, that it's like on an aeroplane that you're told to put on your own life jacket first so that you can look after the others. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that at the time because there wasn't services available. But with Chuck Tom now, we can give a service to Granny and Grandad and all the brothers and sisters because we have access to 15 counsellors in the service. So I know that the families can all come to us and each of them will be looked after. And again, taking on the priority of the mother or the dad that is left behind, that they they look after themselves as well in order to look after the rest of the family because it is a challenge and I'm very grateful. I know a lot of people that lost family members to suicide and they had to go on medication um, or they, they went to take drinking as well to cope and uh, it that's, that's so easy to do but what happens is when I hear the fam other family members of some of these people they feel they've lost their mum or their dad as well because the mum or dad isn't coping. As I said, they're on vacation and, and so for the or children then, then as yeah, well, yeah. yeah, so for the children then they're they're just um they've they've lost that mum because she's on the couch when they come home from school because mummy can't cope and it's not an easy thing to cope with and unfortunately that's the way some people do it so I'm glad to be able to give the hope to others that can come in and talk to me can connect with me because I've been through it and um, just support them in an empathetic way and it's it's wonderful because when they go to you they know you understand mm. and they and to have as you said the services weren't there when you needed them and now look what you've created to help all these people when somebody comes in to you what, what's the first thing you would do with that person or persons um, what way does it work well what we do is especially when I know uh, there has been a suicide in the area I will just make contact with the person and just say you know that I'm let them know that we're here and we're you know we understand and how horrific the time is going to be and that if they want to meet up for coffee and chat at any time that I'm here just letting somebody know that you're there yes. is so important and um, because they really appreciate it and um, and it's not at the moment of the the funeral and that it's after mm. when they're trying to put all the puzzle together and there's no way of putting a puzzle together from a suicide so it's to be like that with everybody so if somebody walks in the door of Chop Tom we greet them with hi I'm Angela how can I help you and it's not oh have you an appointment what, what yeah, are you here yeah. for it's hi I'm Angela how can I help you yeah. and and it's a lovely soft way when somebody comes in the door of Chop Tom that they kind of go, because it's a big step to walk in the door, Chuck Tom, and they don't want to say, oh, uh, I'm here to meet uh, somebody, but I don't know who I'm meeting because there's so many counsellors as well, and they don't listen on the phone properly either. So through the experience of what we're doing, realise that that's the best way to greet somebody when they come in the door of Chuck Tom. Yeah, they're probably under so much stress, that's even good. making it to the step that they're yeah. not thinking of what they're going to say. Yeah. yeah, so it is important that you just yeah. meet them with a soft approach like that. Maybe, maybe sometimes it's, it's only a case of sitting down and having a cup of tea that day and 
not much more and coming back another day. Absolutely, and that's yeah. what we do find, you know, and I know um, mum uh, made contact with me. She lost her son only a couple of months ago and she made contact with me for help for four boys and uh, she wanted to help for two of the boys. And um, so I said, OK, come on up and we'll have a chat. And when she came up then, the mum was trying to fix everybody and not look after herself because she thought if I get everybody OK, then I'll be OK. And like the life jacket thing, you know, I spoke to her and she thought, OK. And she actually ended up, she'll come in for support and counselling and we'll be able to keep an eye on the boys because it's a little bit early for the boys to come in because they're going through so many different things. And uh, you just have to, like, you know, there's no right time to start counselling but sometimes people just do it because they feel it's the right thing to do so you, you know when you're ready yourself yeah. so it's great like for that mom that can actually say okay right well I'm going to actually get myself right because when one person starts to get the help in the family the rest start to work around it and see what's going on and like you said you there was no services for yourself and your family at the time how did you approach some sort of a structure that you were able to figure out that this was the help you needed if you know what I mean yeah, I, you know what, I don't know. I really don't know. I ha- Obviously, there's a strength inside, and I think maybe my upbringing and, the, you know, the... Um, I, I, just, I don't I don't know I it just I it just came into play and yeah. I think the support of my friends and um, my family my parents like were just phenomenal you know because like it's very hard for my parents as well and I completely understand because they're watching their daughter broken-hearted and so they're broken-hearted for her and they're also broken-hearted for their own loss of their grandchild or their son-in-law as well yeah. so that's that's really hard so it's like a double whammy for my parents and um, yeah, it, it's difficult. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I think I was just, you know, somebody just wrapped cotton wool around me, and you know, I just kept a bubble around yeah. me and my sons, and we had to just keep safe together. We went camping. You know, my husband died in March and of 2002, and I, I bought a tent then in April because I would have done a lot of camping with my parents and that years ago. And I thought, okay, we need something simple. We need away from the television and everything. We need to just spend time together uh, without mm-hmm. any media or technology or anything like that. So yeah, we bought a tent and we started camping and it was just brilliant, you know, because even when we talk about all the great days of camping, we're able to just put a smile on our face and remember the funny, funny times and uh, of camping and where we had to talk with no electricity, obviously, you know, so it was just in the tent at night talking or reading stories or you know great crack wonderful idea mm. as well mm. as you said getting back to nature no distractions that Absolutely. you're and and those memories they're mm. the joyful memories as you mm. said looking back into them yeah. you can have those laughs and yeah they're so important yeah yeah Absolutely. and how was your fate in all of it, as uh, you were going through it? i was Okay, I, I grew up like my granddad, God, like I, my granddad was my idol and uh, I used to go to mass with him and then we do the meals on wheels from Dublin originally and I loved being with my granddad and um, so I didn't mind religion or anything like that, I didn't mind going to mass, I kind of wanted to be a good person. So I, this made me feel good by doing something good. Um, but after the death of my son Thomas, nine years after my husband's death, uh, the day after his anniversary, that really knocked me. And I, I couldn't even say Hail Mary because I just couldn't. I didn't have it in my heart. I had a lump in my throat because I really felt let down. 
and um, by God and why would this happen to us again because my son was in recovery my eldest son uh, he was in recovery he had a little six-month-old baby I had remarried and had a little girl she was one so everything was going okay for us and next minute this bolt of lightning just happened with the loss of Thomas and um, and there was no yeah. signs. There was nothing. No signs at all. No, no, no. And when I look back on the day that it happened, there was signs, yeah. but you don't realize. You don't see them. Yeah. And you just when I look back and I remember the whole day with Thomas, and there, there were signs. You know that. You know he's looking out the window in a pensive mood, and and I was like, you sit down, Thomas, and eat your lunch. You know, and you sound like with a sandwich and just dreaming looking out the back garden and you know i wonder was he planning something at that point i don't know he seemed in a great form and i i know from speaking to some of the counselors that sometimes when people have decided that that's it i'm going to end it all that they're com they're, they're at comfort with their own decision and um, yeah they are in good mood and that now thomas was always bubbly and funny anyway so um, yeah, so I mean, I, when I look at Thomas and the way he was looking out into the back garden, um, definitely, yeah. And he called to three of his friends that morning. He was on edge. I didn't notice it. And I did say to him, Jesus, Thomas, will you sit down? He was in the, out the front door, back in and up the stairs and down the stairs, so you know. one year old, as you said yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, like, um, he did call to three friends and they had all been out the night before. And it was early because he had been to his dad's anniversary mass. So it was early in the morning. But um, he called to the friends. They weren't there. Or one was in the shower or they were in bed or something like that. And, you know, I do wonder that, gosh, maybe was he was he looking for somebody to talk to to distract him from where he, his his thoughts were, yeah. you know. He, he, like, on that day, he didn't show signs. But when I look back, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even coming away, I didn't realise he was in the house because uh, he'd been in and out so many times that day and calling to his friends. And, you know, when I headed off uh, in the car then and I saw him standing at the door and then I tried, I texted him about his dinner, where his dinner was, and I'd see him later. We were going shopping for um, my daughter's first birthday, and Thomas was going to make the cake for her, and he was, he was trying to be a chef, you know, and um, that was it, and, and um, I, I didn't take anything different, you know, and then just to get the dreaded call, you know. Um, yes, the dreaded call. That's awful. Yeah. What age was Thomas at the time? 19. Yeah, and he like he was just he was such a funny guy, you know. And like after, he always tried to make me feel okay. Yes. Um, when Stephen was going through his addiction, and when we didn't know where Stephen was, was he was he in the river or was he on the streets? We couldn't find him. He went off in a rage, and was drinking, you know, raw raw alcohol and just to blot out the pain mm. he was in. And you know, with the worry of all that and still trying to manage the other three little boys, you know, I'd come home and Thomas would have candles lighting for me because he knew they made me feel okay. And he just always looked after me, you know. Do you sense him around you now? Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I've had, I get uh, great signs that I know Thomas is with me, you know. And I say, I say, you know, Thomas, let me know you're around me. So, which is lovely, isn't it? It is lovely. And, and it's so needed. I, I feel that there's times, sometimes I, 
I told you, I lost my sister, you know, and um, sometimes I feel I really need that, you know. I wouldn't, I find sometimes I'm not allowed to ask. Like in my head, I go, you know, you don't need it now. But yeah. there's days where I'll say, you know, Lisa, are you with me? And yeah. just those little signs, you know, yeah, something yeah. might, like my flicker yeah, or something. something. Yeah, something yeah. small, but you kind of go, yeah, that's that's you there with yeah, me. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, that's it, like, you know, and it, it's nice then because you just put a smile on your face, you know, yeah. and and that but um yeah it, it's very difficult then because when for for me after it trying to cope with because my my third son robert he was doing his limbs out he found thomas at home oh, God. so didn't realize how it was going to affect him or anything like that as well and you know so you have kind of kind of like a panic attack when you ring your sons now and if they don't answer the phone yes. mm. nearly eat the head off and say why didn't you answer your phone because it brings me back to that day that Thomas didn't answer his phone yeah. when I rang you know and yeah. it, it does like it, it doesn't leave you no. that no that, that trauma you know yeah yeah, you learn to live with it, isn't it? You, you do. You, you create your new normal, and um, you go with that. And yeah, yeah. yeah. The triggers will remain. That's the. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many triggers there. <clears throat> it's just to learn how to cope with them. You know. Yeah. So. And I imagine you are a great comfort for people that have gone through it or going through it now, as you were saying earlier before we started to record about the people in Leitrim. You're going to give a talk there. Just the little coincidences, how you know you're being put on the path to help yeah. so many people. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's well, amazing what you've done, Angela. And, yeah. You know, with well, that strength. You, yeah. This is it. Like, but I think now, like my faith. Yeah, definitely. I. My after my son's death, um, two of my sons, my eldest son and my third son Robert, they were asked to go to Medjugorje with a youth group, and uh, they headed off there. And when they came back, like my eldest son was like, "Mommy, what am I like? What's this all about?" See, <laughs> and I said, "Look, just go, go with an open heart and see." And he came home on such a high. Uh, that he was like, oh, mommy, you have to go to Medjugorje. It's just amazing. And and I really believe that, you know, Our Lady looked after Stephen as she looked after all our family. And that um, this is, Stephen has such a good faith as well. He wow. loves Medjugorje. Uh, he, you know, he gives out Holy Communion at Mass. And, you know, it's a huge turnaround for for him in his life. And for me, it's a, it's a comfort, you know. So, uh, yeah, going to Medjugorje, all, all my family go. We go to the youth festival every year uh, where there's like 50,000 people out there. Wow. And uh, I shared my story last year in Medjugorje to there was over 20,000 people in the crowd. Wow. And, uh, so yeah, it wasn't easy. <coughs> the boys were all with me up and uh, all, it was on an altar in an open air place. And uh, But, you know, walking through the streets of Medjugorje, then people coming up to you um, just saying like how it touched them and how they had lost somebody and it nearly opened up something to say that it's safe to talk about this. And, yeah, you can be you know, vulnerable you, in this Yeah, and you can share yeah. about, you can share your own uh, stories. So, uh, yeah, our faith is, uh, you know, and even everything I do in Jock Tom, because we get no money from 
anywhere only fundraising and donations and the goodwill of people you get nothing from the government how is that like that. Uh, you know they're just happy to keep to continue to uh, provide funding for national organizations where I think that's very unfair because I think if you have a proven record of being successful with the numbers that are coming through your door mm. um, and if all your 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 um, your systems are in place like and you're compliant, I, I think you should be allowed access some kind of government funding. Absolutely. Because, you know, I had a point in November when our money went down to 800 euros. And the reason it went down to 800 was because our numbers had doubled last year from the year before. Even though I had a budget of this is how much I need to raise this year, and I raised that money all right, but our numbers doubled. So 800 euros in, in November, and I'm like, oh my God, how are we going to see to the end of the year? I did panic. And then I went to Mass on a Sunday morning and I said, I listened to the priest and I went, gee, you know, he's, he's telling me something here. He's telling me to trust everything will be okay and that was his message and I, I listened to that and I said I need to believe this and during the following week I got phone calls from people and companies to say that we've had our Christmas straw we want to donate a thousand euros wow. to you and we got three thousand euros and six hundred euros and before we knew it we had enough money to keep the service going and to go into January of 2019 and wow. I, I need to say okay yeah and I, I, I do believe that what I'm doing here is from, like Our Lady is helping me to do this and to cope with it all. And I do believe that that's uh, what I have to do. And to just trust that we will be okay. We have a huge target this year to raise 200,000. Wow. You know, it's huge. What um, area is that capturing? Actually? All the southeast. You know, all yeah. the east, yeah. But we were accessed from, like, we had somebody come from Cork last week, you know, um, because they were concerned about their daughter. But the daughter didn't want to go to talk therapy. So we say, okay, well, you know what, you come down and we'll help you to support your daughter. Okay. We'll help you to cope with how she's behaving and and uh, and then the daughter ends up going geez what's going on here with daddy you know that's a whole other side to it now that See, i didn't even contemplate like that. you're giving the tools to the people this to help it. the people who really need the help yeah yeah, that's yeah. Really and, and and that's so important so we have a holistic approach you know i've had i've had one one call in particular that keeps sticking out in my mind is a mum rang me from Waterford, her her son was really violent at home. He was thirteen, really violent and aggressive, and he wasn't nice to his little sister. And he was saying things like, you know, how he wanted to. His words, I hate these words, but his words were kill himself, you know. And mm. like the little girl is only nine, <coughs> and she's hearing her brother talk like this. He was just angry and looking for attention, and obviously there was something going on. So mum rang me in an awful state and I said okay he can come down so the day he was to come down to us she rang me and she said he won't get in the car and I said okay will you put him on the phone to me maybe I'll talk to him and I could hear him in the background he was cursing and I'm not talking to that one and I'm not going down you can all F off and the whole lot and I said to mum she was getting all upset and worked up and felt she was wasting my time I said to her I'll tell you what you're doing now you get in the car you tell him that you can't cope with him the way he's he's behaving and you're going to do something about it because you need help in how you you deal with this situation and i said you get in the car and come down to us and we'll we'll, we'll support you so she came down and she was grateful for that ear 
of somebody to listen to her and she came for three weeks and next minute the boy is kind of going okay something's going on here my mother isn't reacting the way she normally does <laughs> she's not i'm i'm not i i'm having a, a tantrum here and she's not doing what she used to do because uh, mammy's getting strong and mammy knows she's okay in the way she's managing the situation so uh the boy came down then and he came to our sessions for 12, he had 12 sessions. He ended up then having to make contact with CAMS, but while he was waiting for CAMS, which is the yes. uh, the Child and Adolescent um, Mental Health Services, while he was waiting for CAMS, we were supporting mom and yes. him. And then when it came to going to CAMS, and he actually was um, sent into a unit in Galway um, that is for young people who are really a uh, high case, um, you know, of, danger to themselves and ending their own lives he went into a unit down there for a couple of weeks and I got a lovely letter and a card from mum at Christmas time just to say how her son was in her life he still needs ongoing support but because we intervened when we did that he probably wouldn't be there and how well he was doing yeah so I mean that yeah it's, it's incredible work parents who are struggling to manage with their <coughs> children as well you know and eventually the children will come and you said last year the numbers doubled and the likelihood is the way things are going with mental health in Ireland and the pressures on people whether it be social media or rental or mortgages and arrears that's going to happen again probably this year and next year absolutely you know we're probably at 250 already and we're only into March that kind of frightens me you know and that's why I said we need to raise 200,000 this year that's all fundraising and Three weeks ago, I was like, just I just felt so tired, and I said, "Oh God, I can't, um, you know, I I can't stay doing this. I'm I'm really tired, you know." But look, I I know it'll work. It'll be okay. But there's so much work to put in for that to be able to continue to help the people. And can people get behind this and kind of make this um, make the government take notice that yeah, it's they mandatory need to that they fund right funding now. here. You have the evidence of all the people you're helping and making such a difference. Surely to God, like you're already doing such great work and as you're saying, you're tired because you have to yeah. go out then and organise these events, even your event last night. It's a huge undertaking. Yeah. You know, and I know there's people involved with you, as you said yourself and all of that, but there must feel a, a huge responsibility then on your shoulders. Oh as there well. is. Oh God there That's is. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Because people want the face of Jock Tom as well. They, they want, you know, it's and and also I do find if you go and speak to somebody uh, yourself, you get better. Uh, there's a better outcome of it because you, you know, I I met the owner of this hotel a couple of weeks ago, and like he's from Kerry, he's barely heard about Jock Tom, you know. But when I sat and spoke to him, and you know, he heard what I had been through, like he was. He was knocked back and in any way he said, I really want to help you. So the rest have taken us on as a charity partner. So wow. it's just That's fantastic, yeah. you know, for us that, yeah. And, 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 and it was because I, you know, I met Xavier. He was there to listen. He, now everybody isn't willing to listen to it because everybody has different stories and they believe in different mm. uh, support and different, uh, you know, charities or organizations and that. But I think if you can talk to somebody yourself, it's great. Um, because if I send somebody else out to do the talk and they might go, oh yeah, we heard about it, you know, and it, it doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't. It is, it, it is. Like even today now, I have to go to a Thai later on today 
or somebody who has made donations from an event in the Thai um, for Choctaw. So people can donate, hold events for you separately yeah. and donate yeah so once they get approval from Choctaw because we are regulated by the charity <coughs> regulator which is huge um, and it's great it's yes. a comfort for me to know that we're doing everything right you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that you can't go wrong I mean because yeah. um, there was a lot of charities that were closed down by the charity regulator I think he should close down about 3,000 charities uh, when he came on board in uh, in 2014 and and uh, yeah he closed down a lot of charities um, because they weren't compliant and for me then being a new person not knowing what to do to be registered with the charity regulator and have rules and say right this is how I have to do it uh, it makes it really easier for me and you know the support there at all times that if I need to ring the charity regulator about a concern I have hmm. about an event or something um, and how we go about it uh, th there's support there because some people will and I have experienced it say that they're doing a fundraiser it's for Chuck Tom and we haven't received funds from some fundraisers that have happened so we encourage everyone they have to come into Chuck Tom or fill out our application form online so that they can run an event um, that is approved by the charity I suppose that's why like you know back in 2014 when all the scandals came out with other charities and you know, a yeah. lot of faith was lost in, yeah. in the local charities, unfortunately, and the global ones as well. Um, and I'm sure you felt that impact as well. Yeah. Whereas, and then, like you said, there are some people, individuals, maybe, or organizations having fundraising days and not realizing the chain of events that that could lead to if, you know, uh, they were the unscrupulous events that happened or whatever. Yeah. And your name is attached to it yeah, and absolutely. even though you've done nothing yeah, you've yeah. had no hand act or partner yeah, yeah. I think it's an important thing to highlight to, you know, is, not yeah. to be doing that yes, because yeah, it could destroy yeah. lives yes, literally yeah, like uh, yeah. if you were gone in the morning you know thousands of people would suffer over it yeah. uh, and you know potentially people could yeah and I realize that now that People were saying to me, you know, because we, we had somebody come into Chuck Tom a couple of weeks ago and the day they came in and they wanted to support about their granddaughter and the day they came in, um, like it was half three in the day, we had five rooms in Chuck Tom, there was no rooms left to meet anybody, right? And we offered that they could, we could have a few minutes of a chat with them, but could they come back in the morning and we could give them the proper time and that, because they were looking for information about supporting their granddaughter. Um, and, uh, you know, the person wasn't happy with, you know, they weren't happy about this and, the, you know, we thought you were an immediate service and access and we were trying to explain, you know, that we actually, we all the counsellors in all the rooms and um, but we we are here and you know that we can see you if you want to come in and have a full time in the morning or we can talk to you for a few minutes now but we couldn't dedicate because we had no yeah. people and for some people that don't understand that we depend on volunteers we depend on fundraising and our house isn't big enough that people need to kind of understand that we're doing the best that we can and you do lose a little bit of heart you do kind of go gee you know because it only takes one person to say something yeah. And, and you know it, it, it knocks you down and so last night I realized as well yeah you know when there's 500 families came to Choctaw last year and if we weren't there what would they all do 
and it, that's the reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, even the name Choc Tom, though, it just it's, it's it invites people. It is. It's yeah. homely, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It just it sounds like a safe place to go, yeah. doesn't it, for yeah. people? What do you find is the most troubling for people when they're so, like if they're having suicide loss? What seems to be the base for the majority of people? Is there like um, is there a certain thing mm. that's one particular thing that seems to be? I think they feel useless and that they're only a burden in somebody's life, you know, and that the light life their life would be, their family's life or their friend's life would be better without them, you know, and I really think that that's where people feel, you know, because they're so laid down with their own problems that they feel they can't get out of where they are and, you know, I'm just causing problems for my family because they don't understand where I am and um, I, th I think that um, because they're not able to express either what's going on for them and understand that you go inside and you talk to somebody and it's like having a ball of pasta in your brain, right? And next minute, the counsellors will take it out one by one and say, okay, this is about, is that really a problem? It's a strand of spaghetti. Is that really a problem? Gee, no, well, it's not. And next minute, you're pulling another strand out and you're saying, so, okay, what else is going on for you? And before you know it, all the strands of spaghetti are like, un they're unravelled. And it's actually, mm, okay, yeah. It's actually not that bad, but we're very grateful that a lot of people that come in the door, it's just that they're experiencing anxiety and, you know, somebody might be bullied or something like that, that they're not actually in crisis. And that's what's very important, that Chuck Tom is there for people for early intervention so that it doesn't reach a point where they feel that suicide is the only answer. So to come in early when you're just not feeling okay, don't worry about it, nobody will judge you. We just open and offer a confidential listening ear to everybody and that's what's important. Do you avail of counselling yourself, Angela? Would you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm surrounded by all the counsellors. So they're all going to absorb it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I do need to make a little bit more time for myself. Um, and I'm hope now I'm going to Medjugorje in two weeks' time and I can't wait for that now. Um, but for me, I just get on with it and it helps, like, I need to, you know, get my own supports there and mind myself and the whole lot of this because it isn't easy. Where do you find joy in your life now? Where do I find it? Joy, yes. I love just being surrounded by my family, my children and that and uh, just trying to have fun family times with them you know my boys were here last night and it's not easy for them either you know because it's their dad it's their brother um and you know like they're they just love being supporting me and what i do you know but it's pain very painful for them all as well so joy is just spending time with my family and my auntie came down from Dublin last night and that all lifts me like, you know, my family is just everything for me. And then when you know you're helping others um, and, and, you know, like this little three-year-old girl comes into Choc Tom for play therapy. She lost her dad in 2017 to suicide in December and uh, she has an older brother. So the older brother had to come in for play therapy last year. Uh, in 2018 then a couple of months after his dad's death and mum got great support in trying to look after the little boy but come December of 2018 
mum rang me saying that the little girl was throwing herself on the grave, daddy's grave, when they were going visiting. And she didn't know, what What do I do? Like, you know, do you stop the little girl from going to the grave, then the little boy is going to lose out? Or do you, what, what do you do with the little girl? And it needs to be done in the right way so that it doesn't have a negative effect on her life in the future, that she's blocked from grieving from her, from her dad. So you... The, the mum came in, she also thought that, you know, she wanted nothing from Santa, only her daddy back, because she really felt that Santa took her daddy. So when I see this little girl coming in with her beautiful white bow and curly hair and just her whole life ahead of her, um, and now through the support in Shock Tom, she can have a different outlook. Now the snowman brought her toys this year, so she still got gifts from, <laughs> from somebody at Christmas time, but it was oh, a snowman. But you know, we want to make sure that she loves Santi, she will get to love Santi, and she can grieve in a healthy way, and you know, that she can learn to go to the grave, and Mammy um, can put a few tools in place there, so that they all go, can still go to the grave, and this doesn't happen, you know. So it is so important to be able to support somebody who's trying to manage life in a family after a death by suicide so that gives me great you know because well, I'll just see her for the rest of my life you know yeah. isn't that, that amazing like the difference you're making in life mm. it's wonderful but even that question like that was put to you like should we let the daughter on the grave or whatever like there are things that you know from the outside looking in you'd never even consider no, to wouldn't. be and yeah. for them I suppose probably I'm only I'm only guessing that some people probably feel I'm going to ask a stupid question or whatever and then they ask it and you're like of course it's not a stupid question yeah. because it's part of a whole process yeah. and yeah. It quite re- you said there that about blocking the grief you don't want to b- block the grief mm-hmm. and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, set them set them on the wrong track somewhere else by a subtle movement absolutely you know, yeah uh, because you need to teach them to grieve in a healthy way you know, and if she wants to, you know, throw herself on the grave or whatever, and for mam it's so hard because she's two yeah. children that's yeah. grieving differently, you know, and they're so young and and that's so yeah, it's important that um it, that people can allow their children to grieve in a healthy way and that children can see their parents grieving as well and that it's okay, you know, if mammy has a breakdown. Don't be trying to be brave all the time. Tell them that I'm I'm feeling sad today, you know, because mm. I'm missing the person. And so that, all those little messages are because, from my own experience, you're trying to keep the whole lot together. It's so hard. You're just not going to be able to keep it all together. And people need to stop being so hard on themselves and trying to keep it all together because when it falls apart, yeah, it, it really falls apart. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, to, for people to be kind to themselves and to understand that, yeah, it's okay not to feel okay and to let the barrier down and tell somebody. I used to do that with the boys because they'd say, jeez, Ma, what's wrong with you? You know, you're really cranky, like, or whatever. And I'd say, there's nothing wrong. Or the same with the boys. What's wrong? Well, there's something wrong with you there now. No, there's nothing wrong. And I go, there is. There obviously is something wrong with you. There's not. And the more you ask the person, then they get more annoyed. So what we used to do in the family was, okay, lads, I am having a crap day, and but I'll be okay. And letting them know, and then they go, all right, mommy needs a little bit of time, or yeah. I know the boys need a bit of time. And let them have the time, and to let them go through what anger and whatever is going on with, with us all. And, and then it's all okay. It might be the next day. But you need to be able to do that and stop saying there's nothing wrong with me when there yeah, actually yeah. is. Yeah, and subconsciously sometimes you mightn't even know. Like I even know, like with 
with ourselves with Angela, you know, sometimes things might be a bit off and I won't be putting the dots together as typical men mm, do because mm. they just they think of what's in front of them rather than <laughs> the, 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 the back story. Anniversaries and stuff yeah. coming up. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. I look at the calendar and realise the date yeah. and I'm like, oh, yeah. God. Well, no, and you, know, and, you are yeah. brilliant. Uh, yeah, but like it's still, you know, it's, it's, every day is a lesson like as mm. well though, like to, mm. to, to the subtleties, but also like even coming around to anniversaries like when we lost the baby, like, you know, coming mm. up to the, mm. closer to the, to the, to the anniversary. Yeah, I don't even notice sometimes why I'm getting in bad form, yeah. you know, and, and because I'm not openly talking about it the whole time as well. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't want to, it's just, I don't know, like, I think it, it is, I only read the other day, men talk shoulder to shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. rather, and I think there's probably a part of that where I'm, I'm listening to you going, like, nowhere near any uh, the grief that uh, you've gone through, and I don't know how you've done what you've done, and I'm sure you've heard that time and time and again, and even having the faith yeah. of last night's um of, of the award ceremony mm. you know 500 people out there yeah huge investment to put on that show mm. and having that solid faith to know mm. or, you know mm. this is all on your team you and your team shoulder but you, you were solid mm. you know it was a absolutely fantastic night mm. and from the people there i'm sure yeah chuck tam will do really well out of it yeah. but having that faith to believe it was going to work like was inspirational mm. but even to set it up yeah to set it up I was like Gary Gary Farrell mm. is a friend mm. very close friend of mine and he was telling me all the work that you know because people you know you you, you turn up in the night you, mm. you have a few drinks you have a laugh watching the movies yeah. you know you appreciate it but you might not fully appreciate all the work all yeah. the stress all the anxiety yeah. and everything that you've just said there now about you know there's no support coming from government so if God forbid it an event ever fell flat on his face, you still have to pick yourselves up yeah, from that absolutely. ground zero level and, yeah. and, and, and still be supportive to the people who yes, need you today yeah, and yeah. tomorrow and the next yes, day. Because yes. yeah. you don't get time off, even if the service might close at whatever time of the day. Like, yeah. that's, how do you, you know, like experiencing people's grief constantly, I suppose, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a reward in it when you see them progress, but initially when they hit you with that grief, you know, uh, how do you protect yourself and still, you know, be able to sleep at night and relax in the evening? Yeah. Or can you? <laughs> well, I don't really sleep very well at night because you're just constantly thinking of how you're going to, you know, get through this month, this week of financially trying to fund the organisation um, and I need to take the step back but I am very lucky that our volunteers that come in now they're called s and R, which is support and referral so when somebody comes in the door now they meet the support and referral person and they will t- hear the details of what's going on for people and then they will transfer it then onto the clinical coordinator who will assign a counsellor to that person so I uh, I only barely hear the stories but I know the pain of a lot of the people that are coming in the door um, so I'm able to just uh, I, um, I'm i able to actually get out of the situation if I feel it's going to go too much for me yeah. if it's too raw or painful for me to hear um, so uh, yeah again I don't know it's just me and her strength you know that removes me and it allows me to but you know um the situations I I get comfort in knowing that they're getting supported in the service, so I I don't um, I don't uh, take it personally, I suppose you know, and yeah. um, but it's just the the 
the sleepless nights uh, is really the continuous, you know, the funding, the funding all the time, you know. And obviously if the funding came from the government or, or oh, if you partially got funding even. From that, like, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, 200,000 to run an organisation like what we're trying to do in Kilkenny and the South East is not much out of the government's funding pot, you know. No. I know 1.7 million goes to a national organisation a year and also the fundraising that they get for a lot of events that they hold during the year is millions do you yeah. know and I'm kind of going we only it's 200,000 and we can see a thousand people in the year and you know have an amazing support service there yeah. do you know so like yeah it's only a small amount of money um, you know that we would look for and um, I, yeah so and there's a second service open now is that right? we have the service in Leash as well and we have great support from the people in Leash you know um, we're I'm I'm glad we're not as busy in leash you know uh, so it's it's appointment based for the service in leash because we don't have the premises like our chock tom in kilkenny so i would love to have an open door again in leash and it'll happen when the time is right it will happen you know and it's stronger that chock tom is getting and people are talking about it so it's not just fundraising you're doing all the time you're developing the positive mental health attitude in the community by reaching out and having these um, events and fundraising all the time so yeah people say jeez you're everywhere it's might be a thousand it might be a thousand euros or it might be 500 euros or it might be four thousand euros you know and um, or it could be 20 euros from a little boy who comes in and gives his money out of his holy communion money that's just wonderful. to help another child oh that's wonderful. Mm. And, that's wonderful and finally to let you go what would you say to somebody who might be listening now that might be in a crisis what do you what would you say to that person well i think to be honest with themselves to accept that they're not feeling okay and to do something about it talk to a friend or talk to um talk to a friend or talk to somebody that would be able to listen uh, to them but i think about being honest with themselves and uh, being able to accept that they're not okay yeah Lovely advice angela hayes thank you so much thank, thank you, you.